You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Each week, we try to invite someone to join the show who sits on a different side of the political spectrum than me. We talk about the latest local, state, and national political news, and we try to do it in a way that highlights that we can disagree on things, but still try to have a civil and productive conversation. Today, sitting in that role is Dennis Darnoy, a Republican political consultant here in Michigan. He is based in Oakland County. Dennis Darnoy, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Yeah, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, As I say, uh, you're somebody who I think sees things from a different perspective than I do, but uh, I I have always appreciated that in the past, at least, we've been able to talk about these things and disagree and not end up slugging each other or something. (laughs) That's a good thing. (laughs) That's really important. In this day and age, that's a very good thing. (laughs) It's a big deal right now. Um, Let's start by talking about the Mueller investigation into the Trump campaign and Russian involvement in the 2016 election. It hits the one-year mark this week, um, and and it seems to me like, I don't know, maybe that it's been a lot longer than a year. It seems it feels a little like two or three years, but all of these things do. I am not a huge fan, I have to say, of the sort of open-ended, non-ending, you know, investigation into into the executive branch. We've seen that before with Bill Clinton. I don't think that turned out terribly well or fairly. At the same time, there's some serious questions uh, that, that this investigation has raised. There's some serious questions that the president's behavior has raised. Uh, do you think, uh, let's start here, how worried do you think Republicans should be that this is headed toward a calamity that spills over into other Republican elective uh, uh, corners than than this one? Uh, and are you somebody who's hoping this wraps up uh, soon and, and goes away so that uh, maybe the midterm elections aren't held under the the sort of pall of this of this uh, investigation. You know, I, I think regardless of whether it's uh, an active investigation or if it's uh, wrapping up, it's still going to cast a pall over this election. I mean, we're either going to be talking about court cases or indictments or things of that nature. Um, it you know, it has gone on for a year um, and as he said it seems like an you know, a very long time longer than that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of spilling over into other races, I, I don't think so. I think this is very contained to the Trump White House um, and and those within the orbit. Um, but when you look at Michigan's congressional elections or even our gubernatorial elections, um, the Mueller investigation um, is not really going to determine uh, those 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 races. So uh, let's talk about what people are are forecasting as maybe a Democratic wave. Then do you do you do you believe that that wave is coming? And do you believe that the president's troubles may help fuel that wave? So I, I, there there are two ways of of looking at this. Do I think that there is going to be a blue wave? nationally, um, I think there will be some evidence that, yes, Democrats across the board nationally 
uh, will do well. It's just, you know, that midterm election. It always say, it almost always, always plays out that way, right? But I don't know that that's going to be the case here in Michigan. And if you look at the last national blue wave in 2006, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't lose uh, any any Congress people. Uh, we, we, you know, there was a, a race down in the 7th Congressional where an incumbent was beaten by a member of his own party. Um, but the the party in power retained that seat. Now the counter argument to that was okay. That was a re-election year uh, where Granholm was re-elected, and and uh, you know Cox and and Terry Lindland uh, were re-elected. So this is an open cycle. But I just don't know that um, here in Michigan, what affects us on a national, what you see affecting races on a national level, necessarily applies here. Yeah, um, we we always. Uh in, in Michigan, though, uh, f- we flip uh, when, when it comes to the, the executive position, at least, right? The, no party has really been able to succeed itself in the governor's mansion for a really, a really long time. But, but give me an example of why you think maybe this could be a different kind of year, I guess, at that, at that level. It would be extraordinary if uh, Bill Schuette or or Brian Kelly or Patrick Colbert, whoever ends up getting the nomination, were able to make that case to voters when no one has been able to make that case to voters in from either party since I think the 30s or the 40s. So certainly I think the first thing you want to look at always here in Michigan is turn, turnout for these midterm mm-hmm. elections. Um, and when, when people look at a blue wave, they talk about uh, the head-to-head between the generic candidates. And uh, so if a Republican is, you know, plus four or a Democrat is plus four, that's not necessarily a wave territory. When you start looking at these generic elections and uh, the the Dem in this case is winning by plus eight, plus nine, mm-hmm. that usually portends something much deeper. The next number that you're going to want to look at um, is when the primaries occur in August to see what turnout looks like. Right. Um, n- you know, normally Republicans in off-year elections, midterm elections, are very steady, and it's the Democrat votes. They do better. Yeah, they do, and it's the Democrat votes that go up and down. Um, and, you know, we heard we saw in 14 where they thought that an increase in absentee ballots was going to show uh, a win for the Democratic candidate, and all it was was a redistribution yeah, of really Democratic votes. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so when you then start to look at, at the numbers and, and, you know, you have to be very cautious at looking at polling numbers so far out, um, you know, Gretchen Whitmer's numbers, the, the presumed Democratic candidate, um, her numbers here in this area um, are very low um, and would be a cause of concern uh, for me if I were with her candidate. So in other words, she's ahead but not sufficiently ahead. Right, exactly. Um, and I, I think, you know, the Republican candidates um, – are pretty well known, um, you know, whether they're liked or disliked, they're known, uh, known entities among Republican voters. So they don't have to go out and educate themselves. They know exactly what they're going to get from, you know, whether it's Cali or Schuette. Um, You know, so I, I think that side of the electorate is much more set and less volatile than what might happen here. Um, on the Democratic side. Mm-hmm. And then you have to look at the composition of the ticket. And, and that will be something that will be unique um, if it's uh, an all-female ticket um, you know, heading in. That's, uh, that, that's a dynamic that, that we haven't seen. And um, there, there's some questions as how well that will play across statewide. Yeah. 
This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Dennis Darnoy, a Republican political consultant. We are talking about the week in news, the week in political news at the national, state, and local levels, whether uh, the ongoing Mueller investigation may have an effect on the 2018 midterm elections nationally. And here in the state of Michigan, we're talking about the state of Michigan itself and the two races on uh, either side of the political spectrum for the gubernatorial nomination in the fall. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313 577 As always, the number is on the phones. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Dennis, I'm going to talk about the ballot proposals that we might face uh, in in November. It's, that could be a very interesting year, I think, and I think it ties a little bit into turnout. Uh, I think both parties have become pretty sophisticated, actually, about trying to get things on the ballot that will get their voters uh, out Two things that I think will maybe draw a lot of Democrats uh, are the proposal to legalize marijuana, recreational marijuana uh, in in Michigan, and to end gerrymandering. Um, let's let's start with the legalizing uh, uh, pot. Uh, the Republicans in the legislature have sort of hinted at the idea that they might try to head this off at the pass and keep people from coming out to vote for it by legalizing it themselves. I think that might be a dead proposal. Uh, uh, there there may be some murmurs about but But what about that as a strategy to try to make Democrats say, well, I'm not so excited about that anymore? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, really what is the increase in turnout to have something like legalization on. And and you're right, there are talks uh, up in Lansing right now about uh, maybe tie barring an income tax cut uh, to that to try to gin up votes. I don't know that when you have a Speaker of the House who's running for Attorney General and needs to appeal to uh, Republican-based voters that you're going to see that initiative get through the House. Mm-hmm. You also have House members running against each other for Senate seats. Um, and this issue, uh, the legalization, is a dead issue among Republican primary voters. So I don't know um, how a Republican-led legislature would affirmatively vote to legalize marijuana in Michigan. That being <laughs> said, from a policy standpoint, that is exactly what should happen um, because the legalization initiative doesn't really line up well with the medical marijuana rules that we've just put in place. Mm -hmm. And as we saw when we passed medical marijuana, once that's done, it takes three-fourths of the legislature to change any bit of that uh, law and to get three-fourths of the legislature to agree on anything uh, is really hard. (laughs) It's very, very hard. So we may end up with um, almost a, a dual uh, system in terms of marijuana here in, in Michigan. And I don't know from a policy standpoint that that's necessarily beneficial. What, what about the gerrymandering proposal? Um, you know, I see that as a nonpartisan issue. And the, and part of the reason I see it as a nonpartisan issue is that so if, you, if you go state to state and look at who, uh, you know, who raises this issue, it changes depending on you know, who's in charge. So here in Michigan, Republicans have had an advantage for some time. You see more Democrats, I guess, uh, than Republicans standing up and saying, maybe we should do something different. But if you go to Maryland, where I lived for a long time, uh, Republicans there sued uh, in federal court to try to overturn the maps that uh, Democrats have 
have uh, have drawn that really draw them out. I mean, it's even more extreme, I think, in Maryland in terms of uh, the, the the unfairness that unfolds in elections than it is than it is here. And they're trying to get them to do the same thing. So if if everybody thinks they're getting cheated uh, when they're in the minority, that, that sort of suggests that uh, we have a problem. And I think we ought to come up with a better way. And I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what will happen at the, at the polls, but but what do you think about the proposal to say, let's make the line drawing for political office a neutral exercise? Right, and I, and I agree with you. I think there are members on uh, both sides of the aisle that look at the redistricting process and and want changes to it. Um, we'll see what happens with legal challenges to the ballot initiative mm-hmm. here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then at the national level, there's a Supreme Court case where uh, a decision's expected by uh, June, I believe, of this year, mm-hmm. so very shortly, um, which could have ramifications on how uh, maps are drawn, and it would have a, a direct impact here on Michigan. Um, which would then try to make it a much more fair uh, process. So we are going to hear a lot about redistricting uh, heading into this election. And, um, you know, I'm willing to bet within the next uh, two to four years, we're going to see that process change in in some way. Do you believe that there's a way to do it that takes politics, maybe not entirely out of the equation, but mostly? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, uh, Technology has gotten so sophisticated, and this has been part of the problem. That's why you have some of these really crazy-looking uh, districts across the map. But uh, technology has is, is, is gotten to the point where if you have a, a objective, neutral standard uh, to, to apply— then you can carve districts that are, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but, uh, you know, uniform in terms of those standards. Now, you know, one of the issues is how do you balance the Voting Rights Act? Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. and that's part of the, the reason some of the Detroit districts have, have you know, taken on this, this odd and, and weird shape. But if you can find, if you can come up with the standards, and that's what the Supreme Court uh, decision is, is looking at, and again, Justice Kennedy being the, the swing vote— um, if you can do that, then yes, the technology exists that you could create districts that are uh, marginally partisan, meaning a plus 3D here, a plus 2R uh, there, um, which would require the legislators, the elected officials, to play more to the middle and less to the base. Yeah. Uh, th- that question about middle and base is really critical right now, I think, in both parties. It is especially poignant in the Republican Party given what's happening at uh, at the top level with the, the, the president and his almost uh, exclusive appeal to very far-right uh, causes and, and interests. Uh, this, this spat between the White House and John McCain, something I'm not sure I would ever <laughs> uh, imagine I'd see in that party. You know, I ask Republicans all the time, what is going on? I mean, is are we seeing the party torn apart in a way that – that will have a lasting effect, or is this just about the personalities that we see involved right now? You know, I think a lot of it's personalities, and, and the reason I say that is if you go back, I mean, the Tea Party now has been around for you know, 10, 12 years. You, you, you have these 
sort of schisms within the Republican Party, and I do think they exist on the Democratic side as well, but where um, there is this this sort of push, especially in primaries, how far right can you go? Mm -hmm. And the the most fascinating thing about polling these days is you do see that there is a divide between what we're calling Trump Republicans and then uh, GOP Republicans. Mm -hmm. And those are, you know, your more establishment folks that that backed maybe Kasich or, or Bush in the primary. When you talk about Trump Republicans, that the president can do no wrong. And if you are not aligned with him, then you are against all of them. And so that is definitely making Republican primaries a very uh, interesting battleground um, with the president as the uh, sort of litmus test um, for, for those races. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it should be an interesting fall, to say the least. Uh, you know, I, I always say that uh, <clears throat> we predict stuff in the spring, in the summer, and then uh, when, when the voters go to the polls in August, November, sometimes we end up with <laughs> really different outcomes than we uh, than we were predicting. Mm-hmm, but sure. it should be interesting. Okay, Dennis Darno, a Republican political consultant. Thanks very much for being here Thank on you. Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. That's going to do it for us today. Remember, Thursday, May 17th from 6 to 8 p.m., come out to the Detroit City Distillery uh, to join me, the Detroit Today team, and other WDET listeners at uh, Smart Politics. We're going to have good conversations about politics and policy, news, and issues that matter to you. As I said, we'll be there Thursday, May 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. We'll talk about regional transit, education, this year's race for governor, and I'm sure we will get to some national topics as well. You're going to lead the conversation on topics that matter to you and tell us what things you think we ought to be paying attention to when we go up north later this month for the Mackinac Policy Conference. For more information, go to wdet.org slash events. Also, remember, if you had to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversations. You can go to iTunes or wherever it is that you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and uh, you can take us with you and listen whenever you are ready. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And the associate producer is Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow.